Welcome back to the Stoplight Approach podcast, where brain science is made simple. I am your host, Sarah Ganger. Today on the podcast, we are continuing our journey through the book Signals, and we are discussing chapter 11, which is on connection, parenting for yellow. And here to discuss the chapter with me is my husband, Tim. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so um, this chapter was about yellow brain. And um, yellow brain, we've said earlier in the podcast and, and on the last season of the podcast, I said this as well. Yellow brain can be one of the hardest to um, kind of figure out what is happening because yellow brain can happen for a myriad of different reasons. And so it really requires being a detective and it requires really kind of observing and asking questions and being really curious about what's going on that is, you know, happening with this child that has them in yellow brain. And I think the other thing that makes yellow brain um, kind of an enigma is it can look all sorts of different ways. Um, It can, you know, kind of look like irritability or kind of being short or easily frustrated, but then it can also look like lethargy and being really tired or just not having any energy, or it can look like um, just kind of being sad, or it could look like kind of being sour and just, you know, not really having time for it. You know, it's just, there's just such this myriad of ways it can present. And then there's a myriad of um, reasons that it could be happening. And so yellow brain just takes a lot of, um, yeah, just sometimes a lot of time, a lot of patience and a lot of curiosity Mm. to kind of get, um, get a handle on, on what's happening. And so before we kind of jump into yellow brain, I was going to, um, ask you, you know, she talks about what's needed in yellow brain is connection. And that's the the title of the chapter connection, parenting for yellow. And so, um, thinking about the idea of connection, kind of what, what stood out to you about that? Yeah, I think that it's one of those areas that, uh, can, can be difficult, uh, for a, a number of different reasons. But I think it's, it's also one of the things I think that we've seen how important it is. And I, I think when our kids are younger, uh, so often when they're in yellow, um, you, there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's, it's hard because you kind of have to be the detective and figure out like what, what, what really is happening here? How, how did we switch? And my goodness, I don't, I don't want it to go to red. So mm-hmm. I really want to make sure we, we, we can stay in yellow and then move back to green. Um, but I think that especially what we've seen is our kids have gotten older and we've been using stoplight for, for most of their childhood. And one of the things that we've really seen is that so often um, our, our kids just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I feel like that's that's been such a primary component is they have thoughts and they have opinions and if they don't feel like they're really being heard that can be really problematic but then at the same time is if we're we're taking the time listening to them so often that's what they need in order to be able to express themselves and then that allows us to work through a given situation or, or talk about it in such a way that it's helpful. And, and I think what we found 
is that by taking that time out uh, to be heard, it also means they feel valued. Mm. We've kind of stopped whatever it is that's going on because, hey, something's out of sorts. And so now we can, okay, let's, let's me and you or, you know, you and them or you, whatever it needs to look like. Let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. And, and so I, I think that when we do that, it creates connection. Now, I think the, one of the big keys, though, isn't this, is that is you have to be in green brain to be able to do this. <laughs> um, uh, I, we're, we're not good connectors. I'm not a good connector when I'm in yellow uh, at all. And so if I'm in yellow and one of our kids is in yellow, like that's not a good combination. But if I can take some of those deep breaths and get myself in green, then then I can give of myself in that situation mm-hmm. to be able to, okay, I, I see what's going on. I want to hear you. And like, let's let's work through uh, these circumstances. And so, so connection is massive. Uh, but I think that one of the things that can easily happen is when our kids are younger is somebody feel like we're just kind of putting out fires here and there. But what we're also doing though, is I think laying the foundation for when our kids get older yeah. is, is that we, we will take time. We, we will work through things with you and man, that's so needed as our kids get older and have more difficult problems or more things that we don't fully understand, especially if they're outside of our home and school and, and with friends. Um, there's, there's a lot of times a lot more going on than meets the eye. Yeah. That, that listening piece, like I hear you, um, is so important, like for, for helping them feel valued and, um, like they're not alone. And, you know, when you think about, Going from, um, you know, little kid problems to, you know, my, my Lego creation broke or, um, you know, this drawing that I worked really hard on has gotten ripped in half. Um, the, those are, those are big problems for little kids. You know, those are things that are really hard for them. And so if we can empathize and say, I hear you and I, I hear how upsetting that is for you. Um, I think one thing that stops me from hearing a lot of times is tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so sometimes like a, a certain tone or a certain volume of um, words or sounds um, coming from my children can kind of send me straight to yellow or even red sometimes. And so um, focusing more on rather the tone or the volume um, we might have to come back to that at some point and maybe work on a better way to do that. But at this point, like what's more important is what you're saying and what, and what that's revealing about your, what's going on inside of you, um, and offering empathy for that and, and not saying that that's easy at all. Um, but just practicing being that safe space where you can, you, you, you can tell me like I'm here and I'm listening and you can, you can share what's going on with me. Um, pays dividends when, when they're bigger and their problems are a lot more complicated. Um, so it's definitely something that we've seen, um, as really helpful. Um, so you mentioned that your own brain state can stop you from offering connection because when you're in yellow or red, you can't, you can't offer connection. Um, so you, get yourself back to green so you can offer that that connecting moment 
Um, is there anything else that kind of stops you from offering connection? Yeah. I mean, when, when you and I were talking about this to get ready, I realized that I didn't have the word for it and then you gave it to me and that's uh, efficiency. Uh, when when our kids are in yellow rain, we're just not very efficient. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, when your kids are younger, um, it's the last minute requests before you get out the door. It's the... Um, we've done this a million times. What is different about this time? <laughs> uh, and, and what we realize is that, is that connection when our kids are in yellow brain, like it's just not very efficient. You have to stop what you're doing. And I think for a lot of times, like busy parents, busy kids, busy families, busy people, the last thing we want to do is shave off two or three minutes from whatever we're doing or wherever we're going, because everything feels urgent. And so I feel like how many times have I thought to myself, just get in the car, just go do this. You know, like, this isn't a big deal. Don't worry about it. But the reality is, is that in that moment, it is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it may not be for me, but it is for them. Mm-hmm. And so the best thing to do, not just in that moment, but also for the rest of the day, for the rest of the time is to, okay, what, what, what needs to happen? Mm-hmm. And and so we have to battle against that need for efficiency or timeliness or whatever it is because our terrible thing is going to happen if we are a couple minutes late to something. Probably not. Um, is, is bedtime going to be delayed a little bit to connect? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they probably going to have a better time and go to sleep easier? Yeah. Uh, and so you just think about all of these different things, especially when our kids are younger. It's just not very efficient. But the reality, too, is is when uh, I think our kids get older is we think to ourselves, well, our kids are older. Like, they're they're pretty self-sufficient. They can handle these things. Uh, and, and, and yet they can, but they still need help sometimes. Yeah. And, and so we, we've really got to be ready to set aside whatever it is that we have. Uh, to do or wherever we want to go or whatever's happening to, to be able to to connect. Uh, and I think every kid is a little bit different. And so what that connection looks like might be a little bit different. But we, I know for myself, like I have to set aside the timelines mm-hmm. uh, and say, okay, let, let, let's just work on yeah. whatever is going on and yeah. focus on the relationship. Yeah, focus on the relationship. That's the most important thing um, for sure. And I remember, um, you know, kind of yellow brain when we first kind of heard about stoplight seemed like this big enigma of, um, you know, it could be this or it could be that. And, you know, you have to kind of um, troubleshoot and problem solve and kind of figure things out. And and so when this idea was introduced um, by Dr. Bruce Perry, the unmet needs, the unsolved problems and the lacking skills. Um, that I just remember that being so clarifying for me because then I had sort of a rubric um, to kind of like, or a checklist to go through and say, okay, like, is there an unmet need here? Is there an unsolved problem? Is there a lacking skill? And it's really remarkable how a huge amount, a huge percentage of yellow brain behavior fits into one of these categories. Um, 
the unmet needs, you know, I mean, you you think of the basic things. When was the last time they ate? When was the last time they slept? Have they had a drink of water? So, like, those basic needs. But, you know, what I've noticed as our kids have gotten older is, like, you know, sometimes they just need a hug, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I think yeah. when our kids are little, we naturally, like, kind of cuddle them and pull them into our laps and we pick them up and, um you know, we, we scratch backs or snuggle at bedtime and, um, and as your kids get older and older and older and you don't just pick them up or put them on your shoulders anymore, you know, it can, you you can almost get out of the habit of, of offering that kind of like safe touch, but they, but they need it. And so, um, you know, an unmet need could be as simple as they, they need a hug or they just need someone to put their, put your arm around their shoulders and just kind of like bring them in, yeah. you know. Um, and so being, being aware of, of those kinds of things, um, the unsolved problems. Yeah. Like I think we had an incident um, where one of our kiddos came home and the, it, it presented the, the quote unquote problem, right. Presented like, a problem with homework mm-hmm. yeah. um, but actually when we got down to it there had been a problem at school earlier in the day a conflict with a friend mm-hmm. and really I mean you were the one who kind of talked that kiddo through they just wanted to talk it out right yeah, like, yeah yeah I think they yeah it was just kind of one of those things like I mean it was really easy for them to be seen in, in terms of it was really obvious that there was a problem but but what they needed was to be able to, yeah, just be heard mm-hmm. about it. And, and it, you know, I think in some ways it wasn't even necessarily that it was like a problem that could be fixed mm-hmm. in the moment because, you know, it was, it was something that happened at at school and, you know, it was hours ago and they weren't going to see this other person until the next day. So it wasn't an, like an imminently we can take care of this right now. But but it was a this was hard. Let's Let's talk about it. And then... Then that allowed us to ask some questions and to work through things like, what can we do to work on that tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And that gave us an opportunity to get back into green, and then we could create a plan and be able to work work through everything. Yeah, and then eventually, after all that, got back to the homework. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's remarkable how, like, you know, you, it presents as one thing, mm-hmm. but really when you, when you, at, when you start listening and asking some questions like, Oh, it, this, it's, this isn't about what I thought it was about at all. Um, and, and does the homework need to get done or does the chore need to get done? Well, yeah, of course it does. But you know, that, that's not going to be able to be taken care of until we, you know, kind of work on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was really important that you said that, you know, the problem couldn't be fixed right away. Um, as I especially think as our kids have gotten older, there's fewer and fewer opportunities for us to actually fix things. Like there's so much that goes on that, that just can't be fixed. Um, and, and so that's where just them being heard and seen and offered that empathy and validation, like that does sound really hard. Um, yeah, I can see why you would feel angry or frustrated or disappointed or hurt or, you know, like just kind of validating that, Mm -hmm. um, is just really, really important. Um, um, and then the last one is a lacking skill and Mm -hmm. yeah. And we, and we see this a lot, you know, the, um, 
I think when our kids were little, you know, things like zippers and tying <laughs> tying their shoes and yeah. um, packing their school bag and I don't know, just these kind of like skills that they needed for daily life did. It brought a lot of tears. It brought a lot of frustration, um, kind of angst. And so our narrative around that was just, this is something we all have to learn and we all have to practice and it's okay to not be good at things and we just have Mm -hmm. to keep trying. And, um, but it's interesting now, like the lacking skills seem to be so much more, um, like relationship based, you know, like, uh, like lacking kind of friendship skills and Mm -hmm. lacking skills with communication with teachers and coaches and so there's so many more um opportunities for them to kind of get stuck Mm -hmm. on some of these things yeah it reminded me of you know also like planning out things that you um want your kids to have the skill to be able to do Mm. and uh, our kids still don't love this but at the same time it's it's been helpful for them is helping them to learn how to order their own food uh, I just remember like they, you know, at first it was really cool and then it became, oh gosh, I've got to, you know, do this. But at the same time, it's like, this is a skill that you have to, to learn how to do. You have to learn how to articulate yourself and describe what you want and those kind of things. But really what you're helping them do is not just order a meal at your favorite restaurant. Uh, you're really helping them to learn how to use their voice and advocate for themselves and, and talk. And so get somebody's attention. So, yeah. And so, so just, but, but just thinking like that's a skill that we don't often think of as a skill. Cause it's something that as adults, we, we probably use, you know, quite often, but for a kid, mm-hmm. they, they have to learn how to use that. So, you know, I think that, that when, when we're thinking about, you know, lacking skills and things like that, um, you can also be proactive in that, in, in teaching skills, so that when those situations come, um, maybe you don't jump into yellow brain. Maybe you're better able to articulate what's going on uh, within, obviously within their capabilities, but, but to help uh, move towards uh, a good outcome. Yeah. Yeah, talking about lacking skills reminded me of a time when um, one of our kiddos was really, really distressed about going back to school. And they were elementary school, so younger. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember being so bewildered why this kiddo was so distressed about going back to school after a break. And I could not figure out because this kiddo usually loved school, um, you know, really wanted to go to school, couldn't wait, you know, to get back after a break. And so I was just, and I mean, was like crying and I don't want to go to school and I hate school. And I was like, this, this is not, what is going on? Because it was so unlike this kiddo to do this. And so um, eventually, like after the tears and after the screaming and after it got down to it was a lacking skill. This kiddo didn't know how to tie its shoes. And I had always bought Velcro shoes, like forever and ever, amen, because my kids were little and I didn't want to mess with tying shoes. (laughs) And... And in, in that process of always buying Velcro shoes, I, I just completely missed the fact that they didn't know how to tie their shoes. Um, and so 
for whatever reason, we got in a pair of hand-me-downs. I don't really remember, but this kiddo had a, had a, had shoes with laces and didn't know how to tie them and was just so distressed about going back to school and not being able to tie their shoes. And, um, and so these, which sounds like a small thing, right? But for this kiddo, it was a huge thing. And that's why I feel like we can't underestimate how big and important it feels they experience these lacking skills is a big deal and so we need to validate validate that and come alongside and try to help them gain some of these skills that they're missing um yeah we uh some some other things that they they she talks about with um yellow brain are choices um choices have evolved for us uh we used to do a lot of um you know, do you want to, I mean, I just remember silly ones like, okay, it's time to go to bed. Do you want to like hop like a bunny or, you know, uh, I don't even remember, like gallop like a horse, you know, to the bathroom to brush our teeth, you know, things like that. Like it just little, like little choices to make it playful and fun and make them feel like they had a little bit of say and power over what was happening next. You know, um, um, I remember one kiddo, had a really hard time sitting at the table um, when they were little for for a meal. And so we would say, okay, do you want to stand at the table today or do you want to sit at the table today? And if the if this kiddo decided to stand, we'd just take the chair away and the kiddo would stand. It didn't mean they could run around the kitchen while everyone was eating, but it just gave them a little bit of choice over, okay, the, we know meals are hard for you, so do you want to stand here while and eat or do you want to sit down and eat? Um, so things like that, uh, choices have evolved a little bit for us, um, now that our kiddos are a little bit bigger and I'm trying to think if you have any examples of, um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that one of the things that's changed so much for us is, you know, we've laid the groundwork for a lot of things and we really work to connect, but the, that as your kids get older is you, you, you do have to give them the choice to opt out of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, for a lot of times when you're, when, when your kids are younger, the, there's not an option to opt out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can be really hard as, as a parent uh, or as a carer <laughs> It's because you really want them to be involved. And yet um, part of, you know, as they're getting older and moving to adolescence and, and are moving towards becoming a young adult, you, you do have to give them some means of legitimate choice where, where they can opt out of something. And then that also means that we have to respect them. Mm-hmm. Even if we know that it's not a great choice and it's not the choice we really want them to make, mm-hmm. we still have to respect them in in that decision because in some ways like it's the only opportunity for us to really allow them to to move towards their own responsibility and their own sense of taking ownership of things. And so and there's times where I feel like we've had to give our kids like really clear choices because they're in yellow brain and we've really worked to help connect and do those things. But at the same time, we've had to allow them to make what I would probably describe as a poor decision, not because we want to make, let them make a poor decision, but because they're not three years old anymore. Um, we know they're not in danger. Like, you know, we, we can go through all those things. And so if, if that's what they want to do, yeah, they do it. And unfortunately, sometimes that means they do miss out. Yeah. They do, they, they do miss out on fun or a cool learning opportunity. But then 
we come back in and then, then it's a good opportunity then later to talk about that choice. Yeah. Definitely. When they're back in green brain, you know, because sometimes that gut reaction isn't the best reaction. And so we can then kind of talk about it. I remember just, you know, fairly recently, uh, one of our kids uh, had an opportunity to go uh, on a school trip and uh, their initial reaction was, nope, not going to do it. And we talked with them about it and tried to, you know, talk about, you know, why was that the decision they wanted to make and talk about, you know, possibly some other school friends wanting to go. And they were very adamant, nope. And so, you know, we were clearly presented the choices and they cho- chose not to go. Well, then after the trip came about and they heard <laughs> about all the fun that their classmates had, then all of a sudden it was like, uh, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best decision and you know and it wasn't a time for us to say well, we told you so mm-hmm. it was instead to say oh, okay well yeah. tell us about that you, you know like let's let's talk about that some more and it and then <clears throat> that allowed them to evaluate their own choice with our support and say hmm maybe next time i'll i'll make a different decision uh and so i think that it's 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 giving some of the, them space as they get older to to love them and encourage them and make sure, you know, they're obviously not doing anything that's going to be catastrophic for them, but also being able to respect yeah. what they're doing. Um, yeah, and I think that, I mean, what you said was so important about um, kind of still being there to catch them when they kind of feel the fallout of their choice rather than saying, I told you so, or heaping on shame or guilt, like, why didn't you listen to me? You know, just that sense of, you know, I'm still here for you and it's okay to be disappointed or, or frustrated or whatever you're feeling over this kind of outcome that you've chosen. Um, and just kind of hope and pray that as they kind of make these choices, some that are good choices that we agree with, some that aren't good choices that we would have, we would have made a different choice if, if we were choosing for them, um, you know, that, that they're learning and growing, you Mm -hmm. know, in that process. And we're just, you know, here to kind of support them and guide them and remind them that, you know, they're not alone, um, in the midst of that. So we're going to wrap up. Um, we are going to talk about chapter 12 next week, which is on parenting for red. And so uh, look forward to that conversation. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stoplight Approach podcast. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as it will help other people to find us. The Stoplight Approach offers many resources to help families, schools, churches, and other groups to grow in their understanding of the brain and relationships. Please visit www.thestoplightapproach.org to learn more.